we live in a world of second chances. At some point in time, we all make mistakes that require forgiveness, and some of us have some truly understanding people in our lives that have helped us to move forward. If asked, most of us would list the good traits about the people we know, and we tend to trust what these people say. While this might be good for growing a social circle, it isn't entirely without risk. When you make the decision to trust someone, you better be sure. Because some people just aren't who they claim to be. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. Today's episode is part four of the four-part Babes in the Wood murder series, so if you haven't listened to the other three, go back and check them out before you get to this one. To conclude this series, we'll be talking about the deaths of Susan Blatchford and Gary Hanlon, two preteens who died in Epping Forest under some truly horrible circumstances. On March 31st, 1970, Susan and Gary went out to play. These two kids were neighbors, and they spent a lot of time together. They both loved playing games and had a passion for football. And while Susan was outgoing and the known tomboy in her family, Gary was a little more shy. As you all know, I am forever relating everything to movies and books, and these two kids distinctly reminded me of Veda and Thomas J from My Girl. So, ultimately I ended up feeling twice as horrible while working on this. Once for these poor children who died in the forest under awful circumstances, and then... Once for the Veda in my mind screaming about how Thomas J. can't see without his glasses. So I'm doing fine. Susan and Gary hung out all the time, and they had a lot of fun together from what their families said. On this day, Gary was given fair warning. Yes, he could go out and play with Susan, but he had a very specific limitation. Dinner was going to be ready in an hour, and Gary was expected to be back. When he didn't return home, his mom was not happy. As more time passed, she became worried. Neither of the two children returned home that evening, and police were sharing some of that concern with the parents. But not for the reason you might expect. See, it was April, and it was cold where these two kids lived. With temperatures dropping below freezing, police were terrified that the kids would be caught out in the cold and succumb to hypothermia. It is a commonly accepted scientific fact that children are more susceptible to hypothermia, and while these two weren't babies, technically, they were still young, small, and at an incredibly high risk especially when you factor in the fact that they only had light jackets on them when they left. When hypothermia sets in, things can get confusing and scary very fast. A person suffering from hypothermia might become confused, detached, clumsy, or even sleepy. The big risk with hypothermia is that people don't always realize when something is going wrong, and hypothermia actually kind of makes sure of this. In fact, 
when life-threatening hypothermia sets in, there is a common and very weird phenomena called paradoxical undressing. A lot of the time when someone freezes to death, they'll experience this weird occurrence where they tear off all of their clothes. But this isn't just because they're suffering from some kind of psychosis. Basically, when this happens, victims will experience vasodilation. This means that your blood vessels dilate and your blood pressure drops. But for the human body, it just feels like your body temperature is rising a lot. There are actually other theories surrounding what makes this happen, but this is a commonly shared breakdown of what doctors expect. And then there's this other weird issue with hypothermia. As if stripping isn't problematic enough, people will also start to burrow. This follow-up, known as terminal burrowing behavior, will cause people to try to physically burrow somewhere safe and comfortable. And both of these occurrences can cause really big problems for the police, because it's really easy to look at a body under these circumstances and assume that the victim died under suspicious circumstances when they didn't. For a minute, police believed that Gary and Susan died from exposure. And that was the best they could do for 18 years. Susan and Gary went out to play, but they never came home. Police searched everywhere. They walked through neighborhoods and towns. They searched through rivers and large bodies of water. They posted ads asking for witnesses to come forward if they had seen any indication that a child might be living near their home. With this case, it seems like they really put in the work. Still, Gary and Susan weren't found for several months. That June, a man was out with his dog. Everything was going fine until his normally well-behaved dog disappeared into the forest and refused to come back. Now, I believe that every dog has a weakness. Sometimes, a good boy is only a good boy if there isn't peanut butter in the room, you know? And dogs are so weird too, right? My dog will ignore three random dogs in a row, then absolutely lose her mind over some random dog with a tragic haircut and a growing TikTok account. Most dog owners have seen their dog refuse to listen to an order. But how many people can say that their trusty canine companion didn't come back because he found a body? So yeah. Imagine being the person who took their dog out to go potty and ended up being a part of a murder investigation. Unfortunately, when the local man went to see what had captured his dog's attention, he found a foot. So, yeah, he called the police. Police arrived on the scene and immediately found Gary and Susan. The two children were tucked away inside of a bird hide. For those of you who are not privy to the thrilling art of bird watching, a hide is a small and hidden shelter that can be used to observe wildlife without disturbing it. I've never gone bird watching myself, but I did once have a college roommate who took an entire class on it. I didn't learn much from her, but I did get the joy of listening to her playing bird calls all day long while she memorized them, so 
I know that a lot of hard work goes into it. It's a very complex hobby. <laughs> Inside the hide, there is a grim scene. Susan and Gary were in it, partially buried in what appeared to be a shallow grave. The two children were wrapped around one another, which the police believed might have been an indication that they were huddled up in the spot for warmth. Both Gary and Susan were covered in leaves and dirt and just plants, which could easily be misconstrued as them trying to hide from the cold, especially if they were burrowing, but it doesn't quite make sense. Why would the kids simply stay out there and freeze? Every piece of media that I found on the story pointed out that Gary's favorite dinner was waiting on the table, so why wouldn't he just go home to his parents and dinner in his warm house? It snowed on the night that these two went missing, but was that really enough for the two children to get lost? As examiners began to look at the body, a darker story began to emerge. Remember how we talked about paradoxical undressing and the terminal burrowing behavior? On the surface, it looked like this was what was happening. But then they discovered that the only articles of clothing that were fully missing were underwear. To date, there have not been any instances of people simply taking off their underwear and redressing, and that made investigators start to wonder what really happened to these kids. In a very weird turn of events, one professional actually suggested that foxes stole the kids' underwear, and there was a big push to rule it as a death by misadventure. For those of you who are not familiar with death certificates in the UK, like I wasn't, a death by misadventure is an accidental death caused by the actions of the individual. But not all police were convinced that the kids just wandered out and got too cold. According to popular digital newspaper The Sun, police interviewed 14,272 people to find answers about their deaths. This was not a small investigation, and police had a hunch that a local pedophile named Ronald Jepson might be involved. Jepson had just been released from a prison sentence for assaulting another small child. So, police questioned him knowing that he was in the area and could be a risk. He gave a recount of where he was and a list of people who could confirm it, and these people did just that. Then, decades passed before any new information would come up. Jepson was, by all accounts, a manipulative and evil man. But he didn't come off that way. In fact, he used to delight in making people believe that he was vulnerable and helpless, and this led to him living with a local couple near Epping Forest. At least he lived with them until they asked him to leave in 1974. It appears that they were worried about him being near their daughter, who was nine years old at the time. Enraged by this, 
Jepson went to their daughter's school and lured her away with candy. He assaulted her, kidnapped her, and then strangled her. Jepson was arrested and placed back in jail for a 20-plus year sentence. So all of this was going on while the trail to Gary and Susan went cold. But then, Jepson decided to speak out. He accused the couple that he lived with, the couple whose daughter he killed, of killing Gary and Susan. And the reason he did this was because he still wanted revenge. He was still mad and he just wanted to hurt them any way that he could. But in doing so, he showed police that it was actually fairly likely that he was the murderer. Finally, after exhuming Susan's body to check for more evidence, police managed to prove that Jepson did it. He confessed completely shortly after. Jepson's confession was a chilling recount about how he drugged and subdued the two children. He admitted to assaulting and killing both of them, and he confessed that he stole the undergarments for trophies. In all of his confessions, in all of his complying, he made only one request. Jepson refused to go to the spot where he left them to confirm it was the right location. Apparently, he was a little weary after all the years spent hurting children and killing them because he was afraid that if he went to the bird hide where he left their bodies, he would run into their ghosts. In the end, Jepson was given two additional life sentences for the murders of Gary and Susan. And while this was a win for both families, not everyone was there to see it. The fathers of both children passed away before they received their justice, so they never got to see Jepson placed further behind bars. In 2016, Jepson died from organ failure, and I like to think that everyone can rest a little easier knowing that. It's horrifying that people like Jepson exist, but... Every time that we get a killer off the streets, especially the kind of person who hurts children, I do think that the world's better for it. So this concludes the four-part Babes in the Woods series, which means on Wednesday we will be back to our regular episodes. So I hope that you guys are excited to check it out. In our next episode, we're going to talk about my first ever overnight backpacking trip, and what I learned about surviving out in nature. But more importantly, we're going to talk about another murder in the forest and the missing persons case that I stumbled upon while I was out on the trails. If you're interested in hearing more about how I fought off ants and nearly fell into a creek, or you just want more reasons to take a weapon when you hit the trails, make sure you tune in. And of course, if you want to talk true crime or things that go bump in the night, you can find me using the handle at datpod on Instagram or Twitter. And if you're looking for ad-free listening, don't forget to check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash like and inscribe. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.